You're listening to SBS News. It's been 15 years since a landmark High Court decision granted sea country legal rights to the Yolngu people of northeast Arnhem Land in the Northern Territory. The ruling, which gave traditional sea rights over coastal waters, set a precedent, with a series of bark paintings playing an important role in the High Court's recognition of the Yolngu's connection to the coastal waters. Matt Pohl is the manager of Indigenous programs at the Australian National Maritime Museum which is also marking the anniversary. He says the 2008 Sea Rights case was probably one of the most significant extensions of the land rights movement in Australian history. The recognition of the Yolngu people's territorial rights over their seas and coastlines of Blue Mud Bay um, is a recognition of the the pre-existing connection to country that has been ancestrally connected to the Yolngu people in that region. And it was um, a really significant case in lots of sort of ways. The um, 80 bark paintings that were made as part of the saltwater bark painting collection, the community see those as legal documents more so than paintings. They were presented to the High Court of Australia and the High Court of Australia actually recognised through these paintings and the, the patterns, the subject matter, that there was a deeper connection to that of the which overruled Terra Nullius in a sense, or Aquanullius as it is. The ruling ended a decade-long battle by the Yolnu to have ownership of the intertidal zone around their lands recognised. The ruling meant that around 80% of the Northern Territory's coastline was now under Aboriginal ownership, meaning that traditional owners could make important decisions about fishing and commercial interests. But it wasn't the first legal fight for Native title to sea in the Northern Territory. The movement for sea rights dates back to the 1970s. This was when the Woodward Royal Commission into Aboriginal Land Rights noted that questions about land rights also extended out to sea. In his final report, released in 1973, Justice Woodward recommended that a buffer zone of up to two kilometres out to sea should be closed to non-Indigenous people to protect Aboriginal land. Marcus Barber is an environmental anthropologist in land and water at the CSIRO and has helped map waterways for sea rights. The history of the sea rights it goes back to the creation of the Land Rights Act in the 70s that the Yongu were integral in in, um, in enforcing, I guess, or in stimulating in uh, non-Indigenous society the creation of that act to recognise their rights. At the time, there was discussion about the fact that Yongu understandings of their country go into the sea. Um, and there was a very limited form of that that was able to be... Uh, recognised in the Land Rights Act, but it was insufficient for a whole range of reasons. Integral to the 2008 ruling were 80 bark paintings by 40 artists. The Maritime Museum's Matt Pohl explains the paintings were spread across 15 different clan groupings, which stretched all the way from Blue Mud Bay to Yirikala and across to Arnhem Bay. He says the paintings are a living, ancestral connection highlighting the importance of the sea in people's lives. Not surprisingly, there's ancestral stories of creation depicted in a lot of these paintings. But there's also people's personal totemic affiliations to many of those seen life as well and many of the responsibilities that people have. I mean, the first paintings are connected to the the origin of the whole story of the bark paintings. There was a legal fisherman who, for 
several hundred years had been um, you know, desecrating these waters. What sparked the case was the desecration of Baru, the ancestral crocodile, and uh, one of the Marawili family members who found the, um, the crocodile, which had been desecrated. It just sparked this, um, this conversation, which led all the way up to the High Court case. Matt Polk says the artworks have acted as a type of template, a chain of stories that have been used for self-expression and as a protest document. Jumbawa Marawili is an Aboriginal artist whose work has played an essential part in the recognition of sea rights. Arts painting, it's, it is a document. that, From what I say, it was document from our ancestral being to our grandfather, to our father, and to us. This is the story about our sea. The first legal fight for native title to sea country also occurred in the Northern Territory, with the people of Croker Island having native title recognised to the seas surrounding their island in 2001. There have now been a number of successful native title claims to sea country. James Holman is the director of the Joglupanyu Aboriginal Corporation, which is also involved in marking the anniversary of the 2008 ruling this week in the small community of Baniyala. He hopes the anniversary will raise more awareness about sea rights. And I think it's important to understand that country means land and sea. Uh, waters flow through the land into the sea, back into the clouds, back into the land, and that cycle doesn't end. And it's something that is a part of all the decision-making, planning, the vision and the story of what is happening the bug paintings have been on display at the Australian National Maritime Museum in Sydney on and off for a number of years. Matt Pohl says they are extraordinary in their detail, using artistic production to tell complex stories. When the artists talk about patterns coming from the land or from song that comes from the sound of water or even dance moves that comes from the wind blowing through the trees, there's this way that the land and the sea speaks through artistic production and in many ways that's why these paintings sort of write themselves in a sense the living people who they're connected to are just custodians of temporary parts of that story which is passed on intergenerationally through you know families since time began until until the end Peggy Giacomelos SBS News